How hungry are we this morning? How hungry are we to receive from the presence of God? Well, we're going to release the children. We'll let them go. I know they're, they're ready, ready to visit the other room. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, team. Just right where you are, just close your eyes and lift your hands. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. We worship you, Jesus. We give you all the glory. Let the hearers hear. Let ears hear. Let the spirit man be impacted. That we see real change in our lives today. Through the word. Anoint the words that are spoken. And every need shall be met. Every answer given. No questions left without something to spark the answer that is needed. Hallelujah. Well, we give you all the glory and all the praise. We magnify you. Something Dr. Yogi Cho says. God does not like the lukewarm. For he specializes only in the red heart. You know, the heating's on in this place, and we kind of wonder why, because we look outside the window and the sun's bright and stinging. I'm not trying to make you red hot by using feelings, but there's something about that saying. Dr. Yogi chose this. I'll repeat it. God does not like the lukewarm. For he specializes only in the red heart. Remember what the words of Jesus were in Revelation? I would that you were cold or hot and not lukewarm. There's something about God that wants you and I to not only have a passion, but a fiery passion. You know, you can be quite excited about having takeaway. On a Friday night, you look forward to it. But really, once you've had that takeaway, you kind of fit, sit there and you think, eh, I could have probably eaten healthier or I could have done something else. But you got excited about it and you're passionate about it. You rang the Chinese, like my Chinese, as they say, hello, Andy. I don't have to actually say my name. The Indian, when I ring the Indian, he knows what food I want. But the passion that we need for Jesus Christ and for who he is and, and, and for who God is needs to burn so deep inside of us and set us on fire and not lukewarm. I feel like 
Halleluja. Thank you, Jesus. God does not like the lukewarm, for he specializes in the, in the red hot. I have to get you to get this in your thinking right now, because I can't preach the rest of my sermon, or what God's given me to do. If you cannot get this in your heart, that you need to be red hot for him, and if you're watching online, I'll preach to you. If you're not allowing God to burn deeply inside of you so that you are red hot with him, So on fire that people turn their heads as you walk past. So on fire that you cannot be anything but a change in your environment. California bushfires and things like that, they, they, they have a lot of issues with that. Because what happens is it gets so dry and, and they've stopped the process because of ecological... Can you turn my, my mic down a little fraction, please? It's the third time I've asked for that, by the way. The fire of God burning on the inside of us has got to be so pure, so real, so revealed on our thinking and so passionate. It's got to be, we're coming to the end of time that the fire of God has got to be so passionate and burning. It doesn't matter how many people in this room, no matter how many thousands of people come, no matter how many few people come, if we're not on fire, we won't change anything. What happens in California when a bushfire happens, what they stopped doing was doing controlled fires. They stopped doing what they used to do years ago is they used to control, have a controlled fire so that they can control the environment and could control the thing. They stopped doing that because of environmental reasons and they stopped doing all this kind of thing because they didn't want to on purpose have fire. But what happens now is that it just sweeps through because they haven't prepared the environment to actually have a, a, a burning blaze. I believe God wants to burn through this whole nation and through every single church with such a passion because there has never been those controlled fires anymore. The church has stopped having that, that fire, fresh, burning desire that God wants to hit something so hard that it just carries through and walks through every single church in this country and in this world. We're coming to a day where it has to be like that because lukewarmness does not count. Being lukewarm will not count. Every child who goes to school with no passion and no desire and hates school, the teacher knows them from the ones who are attentive and hooked up. And ready. And in fact, many teachers, they shouldn't do this, but they have favorite pupils. Because they go, wow, that child's hooking up. He's understanding. Our Heavenly Father is so, so passionate about us, wanting to be attentive to Him. And He's aware of the level of fire that burns on the inside of you. There's, there's a level of of. You know, and I don't want to be one of these preachers who everyone goes, oh, well, Andy just talks about fire all the time. That's not, that's not my purpose. I'm, I'm just bouncing off of what I'm reading on my, my screen here. As it says here, God does not like the lukewarm, for he specializes only in the red heart. See, we want to receive from God. We want to receive from his presence. We want to receive from the things of God. 
But if we're lukewarm in any area of our lives, we're not going to receive. We must be red hot. There, there are some, some people who love The kids are getting it today, aren't they? I think um, Jack last night was uh, doing the song list for the, the kids' worship. He, it was, uh, we, we started doing like actual song lists for the kids' worship. And, and what I love about my Jack is that he, he is in a world of his own. And, and you can probably see that nine times out of ten he's just somewhere else. But he was just walking around singing the songs. Rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. I don't even know if that's on the song list, but he somehow was singing that song. There's another song he was singing like, Jesus free and freeze. I don't know, we'll probably hear it in a minute when they start singing it and they all freeze. Frankie knows it. And he makes me happy. Freeze. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> I'm probably going to tell you to turn that off in a second. I'll be frozen in a minute. <laughs> it's like one extreme in, 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 this, uh, in, in most buildings is either super cold or super hot. And I think that's what my point is. <laughs> Jesus said cold or hot. He didn't say lukewarm. Because lukewarm makes you feel a little bit sleepy, a little bit dozy. He specializes only in the red hot. Listen to the next part, and this is where I can start going. If you have that red hot burning desire, then you're going to have results. This is Dr. Youngie Cho. If you don't know who he is, he at one point had the largest church in the world. And if you read his book called The Fourth Dimension, he talks about how he used to ask God for a thousand people new every month, and a thousand people would come every month. And he'd ask for more, and that many people would start coming. He had an understanding on how to get results by asking and receiving. See, this is what communion, going back to communion, because the scripture verses that I, I'm going to read in a section actually came out of that time of the Lord's Supper. You see, we, we always section the Lord's Supper in this, like this, um, like we heard of this week, this 27-seat table that everyone sits on one side and they all look at the camera. You know, look at the, the, the painting. Was, it was done that way. But of course, it wasn't like that. It was very intimate. It was very, it was very unlike today as, as we're like really far. Everyone sat, sat really far away. But they were really intimate, low light, and they were able to look into each other's eyes. And, and, and when Judas went, went away and, and took and went to get to betray Jesus, no one really thought he was going to do that because everyone was intimate. They loved each other. They, the, there was one disciple who, who rested his head. And I don't know if you remember, I said a few weeks back about somebody resting their head on my shoulder, a man resting their head on my shoulder, and I, th I thought it was a bit weird. Did, do you remember that when I said that? Probably not. On the Sunday night, Benny, Pastor Benny, got very drunk in the Holy Ghost and laid his head on my chest. It was almost like God's sense of humor was like, ah, you, you don't think that's weird? You think that's weird? Well, I'm going to do it to you anyways. Intimacy. Our family is intimate. Your family is intimate. 
And, and that's that communion table that where, where, God, where Jesus revealed that, that revelation that we did this morning that we'll, we continue to do every month generally. And you can do it at home by yourself, that communion message where, where, where they, they broke the bread and shared the bread. It's his body. It's what, what, what God put on his body when, with the stripes and with the, putting him, breaking his bone, you know, breaking his, um, sticking the, the dagger in his side. And no bone was broken on his body, but he stuck that and then he was dead. And all that, everything that went on in that, that body that we share in so that we can receive our very healing for our bodies. And then, of course, the blood of Jesus is that, that, that final covenant principle where Jesus put that, the blood into, on the mercy seat in heaven. And then finally, God could say, I can look at the blood. I don't look at their sins anymore. Out of that intimacy, that covenant communication. See, us Westerners have forgotten covenant. Me and Kevin will shake hands every, every Sunday morning, strong grip and all that kind of stuff. But we forget that that is very much a symbol of covenant. When they sh you shake, shake on it, they used to say, didn't they? Let's shake on it. We don't do that anymore. We have to write things up on pieces of paper and then even then we can ignore what's written on the paper. But when blood was shed in the old, it's still done in many parts of this world, maybe not in the West, but it, when that blood is shed and it's mixed between two individuals and it's saying everything that I have is yours and everything that you have is mine, that's what Jesus was referring to. That's what God did with Abraham and cutting a covenant with Abraham. He cut an animal up and in fact, many people would say that God walked through that blood. And of course, we know that with Adam and Eve, the first, first thing that God did was kill an animal and, and covered the nakedness of Adam and Eve. Blood covenant established from the very beginning of time. It's not a, an evil, witchcraft, demonic thing. It's a godly thing. Because the great covenant was cut through Jesus dying on that cross. So as we remember with communion, we, most Western people and most uh, denominational churches, we bow, it's a ceremony, it's a, this wonderful thing. But the Lord's Supper, what Jesus said was intimate. There was something intimate in it. This is why when I talk about red hot burning fire, the desire and the passion and, and the fire of God burning on the inside of it, it comes out of intimacy. It comes out of covenant relationship. If you're in a covenant relationship with somebody, you will go to hell for that person. You will fight. You will draw swords. You will get your guns out. And many gang cultures operate like this. You're my brother. Navy SEALs and all those kind of things. They're, they won't leave a man behind because they're brothers in arms. There's a connection, intimacy. I tell you what, you don't want a lukewarm soldier at your side when you're fighting an enemy that wants to kill you. You don't want somebody who half-hearted has loaded his gun. Oh, I only half-filled my cartridges, and, and maybe, maybe I've got five bullets, maybe, possibly, maybe four. Um, you know, if there's ten bad guys, I've, I've got four bullets ready. It's okay. You don't want someone like that on your side. Covenant raises someone up to the level of the person they're cutting the covenant to. That's what God did. He raised us up, placed us, and seated us in heavenly places so we have access to everything he's got for us. 
Why do we need to be red hot and on fire with a passion and desire? Because we're pulling off of a covenant relationship. Communion is only a practical outworking and a demonstration for that. Why am I talking about this? Because I'm going somewhere. Because the next statements that he made has all come after this and within this intimate setting of demonstrating and talking about blood cutting, about cutting of his blood. They may not have comprehended it. They may not have understood where he was going, but we can sit there with, with, with revelation. We can sit there with time having passed and many people studying this, and we can meditate and, un, and deeply delve into this subject. And we think, wow, there's so much in that. And we go into the book of Hebrews, and it starts talking about covenant relationship. And, and, and then, of course, out of all of that covenant, in, in the first 10 chapters of Hebrews, he's talking about the blood, and he's talking about going into the, to the throne room and, and, and into the mercy seat and having receiving mercy and grace in time of need. And then he hits that famous scripture verse in Hebrews 11, by faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. You see, your faith is in that covenant, in, in, in that shedding of that blood. I know we say faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Yes, of course, but the word of God is all connected and deeply involved in that covenant relationship. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Enoch did this. By faith, this person did this. All based on the fact that Jesus went to the cross. And, or, and for, for them, it was like seeing into the future. They knew something was coming, but it was going to be based, based on blood all the time. It was all Abraham had that covenant. And then, of course, he taught that covenant to Isaac and Jacob, and it went down through the whole Israel family. Covenant. All designed to come to that point in time when Jesus Christ paid it all for us. And he became the sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb. Everything about the old covenant, the, the law was all driven to teach how we can receive and look and understand that covenant that Jesus was about to do a few thousand years later. So intimacy, red heart, Fire, passion, it's all coming and boiling up to this point of relationship with God through a covenant that he said he would never back out of. See, the covenant's not with Frankie. The covenant's not with Holly or me. The covenant that God made was with Jesus. Jesus can't lie. He's the word of God. God can't lie. He's God. The Holy Spirit's involved in that. And what the beautiful thing is, we make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. We become joint heirs with him. We become a, a blood brother with Jesus so we have access to everything. Jesus paid the price so that we could live in that same glory that he lived in. We live in it on this earth. Jesus said the answered prayer glorifies the Father, doesn't he? So we're operating by faith, and then you start to apply faith into it. Faith is accessing everything that God has given us in a blood covenant. I, if, if I were to bring a, in fact, it's funny, I may have said this story already um, when I came back from Kenya. But when I went to Kenya, they, they um, decided to, as a wonderful touristy thing to do, to take me to a slaughterhouse. I have no idea why they took me to a slaughterhouse, but they did. And they decided that because we were late in the day and we missed all the slaughtering, that the white man had to see something get slaughtered. <laughs> so they drag in this goat. <laughs> I'd already seen the guts of cows being pulled out, but they dragged in this goat. 
because, you know, I can't remember the name for it. I should have remembered that, that word, but they kept calling me white man. It was quite funny in their, their natural language, the Maasai. <laughs> so they had to bring this goat in, and they had to make a show of me seeing this goat get slaughtered. And it's not a pleasant experience. I, I remember once um, when I was a photographer, I loved to go out and do like stories of people and what they did in their life. I used to take pictures of things that they did. And I went out with um, my brother-in-law's um, kind of girlfriend's family on a duck hunt. And this duck hunt was, I thought it was going to be easy you got to take a, picture, a few pictures of these ducks and these people and everything like that. But when they first shot that first duck and this duck just goes... My heart, I was like, I wanted to cry. That's Donald Duck. That's Donald. He's dead. You know what I mean? That's somebody's duck. He's dead. But they actually reared these ducks for this purpose. And, of course, they ate them. They, they looked after them. They cooked them up and all this kind of stuff. It wasn't just done. They did it for sport, but they did it because they, wanted, they had a purpose for it. They spent time doing it. And it was hilarious because there's always somebody in the in the far farmer's field, trying to like mow his lawn, play loud music to try and scare the ducks away so they couldn't get shot. They, they, he was anti them shooting these ducks. But it's quite brutal. The, you know, of course, the dogs go get the ducks and they just hold them up and everything like that. I've got the pictures. I can, I can bring them in next week and do a slideshow if you like. They all have a glass of port at the end of the day and a great, great thing. But my, my flesh, my emotions just went out. I remember... I am going to get back to my original point, but I keep remembering these other stories. I remember going on a photo shoot with a model once, and she had a horse. And she's a very posh lady, and, and she was great, and so we took some pictures of her on her horse. But she was saying her dad always told her, never get emotionally involved with their horses. Horses are not humans. Don't name them. Don't attach personality to them. Have you seen what the... Let's really go conspiracy theories on this one. Why, Walt Disney did something that has actually affected the whole of the world. He personalized animals. Mickey Mouse, all this kind of stuff. Everyone goes, oh, it's a nice dog, it's a nice cow, it's a nice mermaid. He's created all these wonderful characters, and we think, what a great imagination. But what he's done is softened it to us humans and think, oh, well, all these animals have got emotions, and they must be like humans, and we can't eat them. And what does the Bible say in the last days? People will come along and say, you can't eat animals. See, we personalized and we created emotions, and what we've done is we've raised the animal up to the human level, which is ungodly in itself. It's nothing more than idolatry. So we're now saying plant-based Big Macs, and I, I, I want to boycott McDonald's because and, and all these these places that would have all these veggie meals, but it's just like I need to have my Big Mac once in a while. Need is a strong word, but I, I'll, I'll use it for now. So if I brought a goat or a lamb into this place and slid its throat, this, this, this goat in Kenya just sat there and just wriggled away and they let all the blood drain out. They let it all drain out and they pushed it up and waited till this animal finally gave up the ghost and died. This is what happened to Jesus on the cross. He was a sacrificial lamb. They pierced his sides because they couldn't believe it, how quickly he had died. The pressure of everything. It's supposed to take four, up to four days to be crucified. So they pierced his sides. Not a bone his bone body was broken. And, of course, the blood ran clear and he was dead. They knew he was dead. But that was that, if we had that animal here right now, the mess 
the blood everywhere. Christina's white shoes would no longer be white. And we'd have, have, a, a, have a very strong definition of what went play, uh, took place in the old covenant. And of course, Jesus died, so we no longer have to do this. But it was all coming to that point, that Lord's Supper, that last supper of intimacy, of Jesus saying, I'm going to the cross for you. I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to break the bread. You know, my body is going to become the sacrifice. And then, of course, he gets down to chapter 14 in John. And this is literally in this same setting. And as I've been meditating on it this week, this chapter 14, 15, and 16 becomes so much stronger when you realize these are the final hours of what Jesus was working his way up to, that that moment where he says, not my will be done, but your will be done, where he sweated blood in, in the garden of Gethsemane. And then, of course, in verse 1 of chapter 1, it says this, let your heart not be troubled. Believe in me. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If they're not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will receive you unto myself. That's where I am. You may be also. And wherever I go and the way, you know. And of course, the disciples didn't quite understand all of that. They didn't understand what was going on. They, they were simple fishermen, if you like. They were pretty much, they weren't very educated, perhaps, into the level that some people might think they should have been. The Pharisees surely didn't get why Jesus picked a bunch of these rascals, these heathens, these fishermen, these, these swearing bunch of people. And we said, I think it was last week, we talked about how the fire of the Holy Ghost changed Peter's life from one moment, tearing down the fact that he was, was with Jesus. Uh, he was saying, no, no, I, I'm not with them. I'm not with them. And then, of course, a few days later, he's filled with the fire of the Holy Ghost, preaching to thousands. But at this moment, these, these guys were just intimate. They were like looking at, you know, must, what it must have been like to look into the eyes of Jesus. You've heard many people say, you look into the eyes of Jesus and they're just pools of love. I heard another person testify, said everyone, everyone used to say that looking into the eyes of Jesus was like balls of love, just rivers of love. And he said and when he met him and he had a vision, it wasn't any, any, there was no love in his eyes. It was fire. It was lightning. It was passion. It was fire. There's always two sides to the coin when we're dealing with Jesus. He loves you so compassionately, but he's so on fire to see you succeed that he goes far beyond his need to cuddle you. He wants to change your life. He wants to pull out and remove all the dross, all the, the darkness, all the, the negativity, every word that's been spoken of you, he wants to remove it. He wants the anointing to come on your life and change you and shift you and shake you and move you from where you're sat right now into the great throne room of heaven. Because when we sit at the, the, that, that judgment seat, when we're, when we're finally there, when, we, when we're, we're passed off into the tribulation, and then when we're sitting there with Jesus and as he judges the whole world and separates all the, the sheep and the goats and all that kind of stuff that's going on, we're going to have a front row seat to what it was all done for. And it's something that we can get so excited about because of that. It comes from that intimacy that those 12 men had with Jesus. You realize how the impact 12 people 
not including Judas, the 11 really, had on the whole world? See, Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. All the idols of India are but wood. You knock on them and they don't answer back. But we have a God who lives on the very throne room of the earth, of the heavens, of everything. And he not only lives there, he's come by his spirit to fill you and I up. We have got something so real and so amazing to, to share with this world. With this, It comes out from that intimate moment. I tell you, the scriptures that come after this in, in, in Luke, sorry, John chapter 14 are so mind-blowing that I can't even say them until we get this bit. We cannot have a relationship with God that is lukewarm. We must have out a burning, hot passionate, fiery. It's got to be from that place that we come before the throne room of grace. See, many people use that, that scripture verse, come boldly before the throne room of grace to receive grace and mercy in time and need. Why? Because they are sin conscious and they want to feel better about what they did wrong and they think, oh, well, I can, at least I can go into the throne room of grace. I can receive mercy. Well, what if we try and flip it on his head? Don't go before the throne room of grace filled with sin. Why not go before the throne room of grace filled with fire and passion and excitement and God, God, I've already dealt with the sin. I'm not going to do it anymore. I've repented. You've forgiven me. I'm cool here on fire with no condemnation and I am filled with your spirit and fired up for what you would have us do. That's when you should receive grace when you're already running. Grace for your race when you're already moving. Faith without dead, faith without corresponding actions is dead. So you're already running. Hallelujah. You don't have to ask Manny to go that direction. He just gets up and goes. But then he starts building up a bit of steam. And as he gets older, you know, I could see him running. I, could, I, don't, know, I don't know if you ever did any running or anything like that, but he looks like someone who might want to just run a little bit in his life. There's, there's something inside him that wants to go. There's a, there's a tickle in his feet. Hallelujah. And you could just say, that's boys, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just seeing it by the Spirit. You know, Manny's got something. Hallelujah. Keep pouring into him. Hallelujah. He's, he's one years old this week, isn't he? Next week's going to be a bit of a party. Come on down. We're going to celebrate. Manny. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you see that, that, that attitude, if we have the right attitude, if we're going from the attitude of I'm on fire for God, I'm not going to wait till I dry up, run out, become lukewarm, and then have to jeer myself up. Many Christians, we, we do this, don't we? We wait till Sunday morning prayer to try and get fired up. Or we wait till the third song of the worship to see if the worship team has done something that actually allows us to get excited. I know I've been there. I mean, I, I thank God. I, I really do thank God how much I've been able to learn on these things because me and Louise have always been at church early for, for years and years and years, 8.30, 20 past 8 in the morning. We were always there because we were part of the worship team. So when you come tired and worn out at 20 past 8 waiting for the worship lead, team leader to yell at you because you're late, that's one thing. But you've got plenty of time to kind of get warmed up, wake up, play the chords, go into the prayer room and come up fired up. 
for a 10 o'clock start or 10.30 start it was then. And many of us in this room, this is what I love about the, the, the people in this room, we're here early. We're here for the prayer. So by the time we hit 10.30, we're ready to go. If, we, if we're not ready to go by 10.30 and I have to st stand up and start shouting at you to get you ready to go, that, that's not on me, that's on you, you know. We've done everything we can do for you. But Christians, if we would learn how to stoke that fire on a daily basis, life would be so much easier for us. And trust me, you're going to get tired physically, I get that. You're going to have your afternoon naps. I, I almost booked mine. I, I like a 10-minute doze in the afternoon. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not saying physically, but I mean spiritually weary. There's a difference. I've been spiritually weary before. Only a few times in my life. Not many times, but I tell you, it's hard work. How do you break free from that? Well, you just, just keep going. You keep pressing in. But it's a decision that needs to be made. You're not going to come out of spiritual weariness by hoping and praying that something changes. It's got to be a decision. If you're spiritually weary in this place or online, you've just got to make that decision. I'm not going to be lukewarm. I am not going to back off of the things of God. I'm going to press it, even though my spirit on the inside of you or, or my flesh or my emotions are just saying, don't do it. You're tired. Stop. Just rest. Just No, if you're spiritually weary, you just break through that thing. Many people who are sick, physically, if they would learn how to break through by receiving from the spirit man on the inside and their health would spring forth speedily. The word of the living God on, the, on your mouth and your, on your confession and on your, all that kind of stuff is, is necessary. But really, if you're struggling physically and struggling with sickness and disease, a lot of the time it is just about standing in the gap and just saying, I don't believe my body, but I do believe my, the word. And it's pushing against everything that comes against you on a daily basis. You are not going to defeat cancer by sitting, watching EastEnders every night. I'm sorry, but it's impossible. You're going to need a miracle if you try and do it that way. But I tell you, if you get your word, you get your Bible, you get this, this, this thing is meant to cause something to happen in your heart. That's the whole point, sowing seeds. The sower sows the word. And when he sows the word, there's a growth on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Let me just try and get into what I, was, I want to get to because I think I've laid the groundwork a little bit. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 24 says this, The desire of the righteous will be granted. The desire of the righteous will be granted. What did Yongi Cho says? God does not like the lukewarm, for he specializes only in the red hot. If you have that red hot burning desire, then you are going to have results. If you have that red hot burning desire, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. The burning hot desire on fire focused in faith, man of God will see the results happen and granted to their life. This might be an answer. And I certainly know it's an answer to me. 
I know that I don't receive what I know I should be receiving from God, mainly because I'm not burning hot desire and I've not got a passion about that area. There's certain things in my house that I haven't got a passion to fix. And my, my wife struggles with me because I don't fix certain things that she really wants me to fix. But I have no passionate desire to start pulling down light switches and trying to fix the electricity and, and all the, the cords and all that kind of stuff. I have no passionate desire to do that so it doesn't get done. There's other things that I, know I will get it done. I will. I will. I vow to you. If you're watching online, you can leave a comment next week. Have you done it yet? I need to get it done. But because I have no passion, because I'm the kind of person that gets the drill out and drills into carpet and wonders why there's a big, long line of carpet torn up in my drill, because I don't get it. I don't, I'm actually all right with electrics. I've only electrocuted myself once. That was a fun, fun journey. You, you know what? You want fire and passion in your life? Go stand in a puddle of water and stick your hand in a spa pool electrics. I jumped. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why I'm a bit strange these days. Because that, that, you know, that's the way it should be. When, I, when you lay hands on somebody, there should be a jump on the inside of both you and the person receiving. That's what, the, that's what the whole point of this is. The desire of the righteous will be granted. So are you, are you desiring something today? Are you after something today? Or do you just put it on the shelf and think, you know what, God, um, actually, I, I, I've got enough. I don't, I don't need to believe God for that. Your husband wants you to do something or your wife wants you to do something but you're not passionate about it. The desire of the righteous will be granted. This is what it says in John 14. Verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he also do, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Verse 13, and whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The desires of the righteous were granted. The red hot desire of the righteous man or woman of God will be granted. He doesn't just say it once in this passage. He says it time and time again. That ask anything. Verse 7 of chapter 15. If you abide in me and my words abide in me, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you shall be my disciples. And he says it more, more than once in this, this passage. Hitherto you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Verse 23 of chapter 16. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. 
why am I, why have I taken so long to get to these scripture verses, which is really the, the, what I want you to remember today? Because out of the, these scripture verses, everything that he's pouring his heart out, everything that he's talking about, and you go through this prayer that he has for, for, for you know, in chapter 17, he starts to pray and, and all this kind of things is happening. This is all being birthed in the place of intimacy, looking into the eyes of his followers. He knows he's going and he's not coming back. He starts talking about the Holy Spirit that's going to come and fulfill the role that he done so that they could go out into the world and, and take that presence with him. It's all come out of intimacy. You see, we want to ask anything and him to do anything for us, but none of us have spent time sitting in our, with our eyes locked into Jesus' face and knowing that covenant, knowing the, the depths of what he did on that cross for us. Yes, we can ask anything and he'll do it. But when you go in and look in this, what did he say here? Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. This is chapter 15, verse 4. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a, a man abides not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they burned up. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. You shall ask of the Father in my name, and it shall be done unto you. This is coming out of a, a intimacy, an intimate relationship, not only with the man of Jesus, because it gets transferred to us as the words of God, the word of God. Jesus, who was made flesh, the word who was made flesh, living and abiding in us. And what the best one of the best scripture verses in this is this. Let me read it here. In chapter 14, verse 23, if a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him and will come unto him and make our abode with him. He's literally saying out of this place of intimacy, this understanding of the covenant, this understanding of the shed blood, this understanding of what Jesus Christ was about to do, die and be raised up in, in, into heavenly places. And out of that understanding, you understand that, that process, that relationship that him and his father have that we are buy into by making Jesus Christ Lord in, of our lives. And we suddenly hit a place where we sit there and go, wow, those words that he's saying actually can start to live in my mouth, live in my heart, renew my mind, transform the way I think, transform the way I speak. Mark 11, 22 and 23 says what? You have what you say, so you're saying what he is saying. You're going to have the same results that he has. Like be, like was. Such as I have, I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Such as I have, Peter said, what I have is intimacy with him, a knowledge of his word, a knowledge of who Jesus was on this earth. Greater work shall be done through the human being who is filled with the spirit of God and alive with the word of God and confessing and declaring the word of God. That's our power, our fire. This is where the red hot burning desire comes from because we've got the spirit of fire that lives on the inside of us, the Holy Spirit. We cannot afford to be lukewarm. 
It's not even, it's, it's, you don't go into a grocery store with no money and try and take something. There's an exchange, a currency exchange. We must have the fire to exchange for the power to be pushed into and given to those around us. It's got to come from deep down in our bellies. When we go on, on, on an evangelism outreach, it may seem simple, pushing flyers through doors. But what we're doing is we're obeying, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, we're not going to kick doors down. Robert's not going to put his SES mask on. I know he's, he's ready to go and he's ready to, to scale some of a, out of a helicopter and just arrive and, and like sneak up and just, Jesus. <laughs> we're not going to do that, are we? We're not going to bang! Kick the door down and say, we're here. Your life is now ours. We're going to tell you about Jesus and it's going to change. We can't do that, unfortunately. We might get ourselves thrown in prison. And Peter says, please don't get thrown into prison for something you've done wrong. Get thrown into prison. Get persecuted for something you've done right. People don't like that scripture verse in Peter. We're like, <laughs> we're laughing, me and Louise. We're at the KCM convention. <laughs> we were just walking uh, yesterday morning because we were coming home early, so we, we did what we needed to do on the, the Faith Life stand. And so we were just walking, and thought, get a cup of coffee and drive home. And these uh, people were walking past us, saying, in the name of Jesus, we claim a great seat. In the name of Jesus, we, we, we believe in God for the right seat. We want to be in the right place in the right time. And Luis is going, yeah, if you'd come up half an hour early rather than 10 minutes late, you would have been able to find the right seat. Stupid Christians. Really, come on. Let's, let's, let's believe God for a car parking space near, near the supermarket at the busiest time possible. Okay, I can believe, I can understand that. But believe in God for something that if you'd have just turned up on time for, is a huge, it's just a waste of, that's not, Luke, that's, that's not on fire using the words of the Holy Ghost and the words of, the, of, the, of this Bible. What's... Uh, it just it just grates me that. Do, do you see what? Do you see my point? You're looking at me like, oh, you're just going crazy. Well, I am a little bit, because we we're Christianity cannot be this this piecemeal, nice kind of thing that we try and do and hope that it works once or twice. I was talking to a pastor on the Faith Life Stand, and he said. The reason he's pastoring the church and the reason he, he, he's doing it, he was someone like he, he went to a church. It's a very small village. It's just getting into these things. And his mom, I think she was meant to be playing the keyboard and, and he closed the car boot on her hands or something. And it was really painful for her. And he just said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And her hand just healed up. And he eventually became the pastor of the church and, and now preaches the word of faith in this little, some sort of, old school primitive Methodist kind of church because it worked. That's what should be happening in our lives. It should be working. When Jesus had asked me anything, he wasn't talking about a seat in a conference center just so that you can selfishly get the best seat. You know what a better prayer would have been? Father God, we repent, we're late, we're running. I'm praying for every single person in that place that they receive what they need to receive. That they have got the best seat 
tell you what, God will get you a good seat if you, if you have a mentality like that. Thinking about someone else other than our own needs. That's the only criticism, quote unquote, that I would have of our kind of circles, word of faith, is that because we are so easy teaching principles of how to receive from God, it becomes very much like I'm going to God to get stuff. It's all about me, God. It's all about me. If you don't meet my needs today, well, I'm going to come back tomorrow until I get my needs. What did Jesus say? Seek ye first the kingdom. The kingdom. And the kingdom is nothing more than reaching people with the souls, reaching souls with Jesus Christ. The message of the gospel, the good news of the gospel. Now, don't get me wrong. I want you to receive everything that God has for you. That's why, that's why we're talking about this message. Ask anything. Some of us need to ask bigger. Some of us need to ask with more red-hot passion. Jesus said that you can ask and keep on asking, knock and keep on knocking, seek and keep on seeking. But what I want to make sure that we do is we do this correctly because we have an end result in place that the Father is glorified, he said. You bear much fruit so that the Father is glorified. Answered prayer glorifies the, uh, glorifies the Father, but answered prayer is bigger than just Meeting your needs, Matt, having fuel in your car, having fruit in your fruit bowl. Well, I tell you what, it's, there's something stirring in these last days. That there, there's a, a, an evangelist who had a stand at this, this convention, and, and his shirts say others on, him, on it. He's an evangelist, so he's always thinking about others. And don't get me wrong. Uh, God loves you so much that he wants you to ask for anything. He wants you to pray and believe you receive. He wants you to be healed. Like that woman with the issue of blood, he pressed in and received. But you know what? I guarantee you she didn't just receive the healing power of God and slink back to her room. What did she do? She hung around for a few minutes and testified. Brother Hagin says there's four steps to receiving from God. You've got to say it. You've got to believe it. But the last one is you've got to testify. You've got to tell it. I was saying, me and Louise were talking last night and just thinking back at the stories that we could be telling that you just forget how, how we receive certain things, how God does little things in our lives. That we, you just forget about them. And yet, really, we want more of that stuff to happen. We need to tell people, give them our story. This is what we, where, where Jesus was in that place of intimacy. He's communicating his heart. He's, he's dealing with their hearts. He was dealing with Judas. He was dealing with, with John. And, and John was sat there with his head on his shoulder and all this. There's intimacy. There's love. There's compassion. But yet what was going to happen next was going to be so brutal, so evil, that's going to scatter every single one of them all over the place until he rose from the dead. A red-hot desire. A red-hot desire. Not lukewarm. Never lukewarm. Never become lukewarm. Always be hot. Always be burning. Always be on fire. Hallelujah. Because it's the fired ones. It's the fired up ones. It's the ones who carry his presence that will lay hands on the sick and see them recover. That when they're in the Aldis and when they're in the Lidl's and when they're in the, the Tesco's and the Sainsbury's, they'll brush past somebody. And, and people, in fact, there's this pastor that I was talking to yesterday. It was really interesting. Remember I told you the story of, um, no, the, well, the story of my friend in, that I bumped into in Tesco's. I had to go and 
talk to. And, and, and this minister who, who basically says it this way many times, you'll bump into someone and they'll start talking to you. And, and the reason they're talking to you is because the anointing on the inside of you is just pulling it out. And well, this pastor on this stand, he just started opening up and telling us his story. Small church, small village. It's something on the inside of me started bubbling. And I thought, you know what? I could just let him walk away. I could let him and his wife and his daughter walk away and, and what have you. But something came on and said, can I pray for you? Because the anointing was there to pray for him. Why? Because he was stirring and pulling on it. Now, he was a Christian. He was a pastor. Maybe he just needed a word of encouragement. It's hard doing this job. Especially when there's more chairs than eyes. <laughs> but I prayed for him, laid my hands on him, encouraged him, had a word for him. Because it was the anointing was being stirred and pulled because each and every one of us carry this for somebody else. Blessed to be a blessing. Abraham didn't have 318 soldiers to feed and servants and everything and gold and silver. He, Abraham was, our, if you read, what, when those men were walking past the, to deal with Sodom and Gomorrah and stuff like that, Abraham wanted them to come in and he wanted to serve them. He wanted to bless them and, and to feed them and to give them and talk to them. There's a desire in someone who's blessed to be a blessing. If it's not, it's, it, it holds on and it becomes a crippling effect. Riches will cripple an evil man, a man who cannot give and release the finances. And poverty and poor people will be exactly like someone with billions of dollars who never shares. The poor person can't share. They're in exactly the same position as the rich man who never shares. The billionaire who, who, who does not give out and does not do anything and help anyone around him is just as bad as the poor person. But quite often, the poor person will have a smile on their face and actually share joy. God can use and raise up that person and take them from the bottom of the dunghill and lift them up to the place of kings if that person will let them. You and I may be on a different level on that path to the place of kings, but I'm encouraging you this morning. Ask, and you will see back your desires. The desires of the righteous shall be granted, but it's going to come up out of a red-hot passion and a pursuit of the things of God, a pursuit of the Word of God, an understanding of how you input this Word into your heart. If my words abide in you, if they abide in you, if they live, the Father, the Father in Jesus is going to come and make his home in you. And that's where we're going. Faith Life Preston is a place for the Spirit of God to move, to live in each and every one of you, to be imparted in each and every one of you. Hallelujah. I give him all the glory for what he's done and what he's doing. I give him all the glory for fun times, for, for quiet times, for shouting times. Let me just finish on this. It's the same apostle who wrote this, but he wrote this towards the end of his life. And of course, in fact, if I go to the last of his, his 
letters, Third John, it says this, Above all, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. This was a guy who went through some stuff, and just before he dies, he says, above all things. And what does he say in verse 3 of Third John? For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as you walk in the truth. So all that stuff he, he's, he's revealed in the book of John, his letters are just confirming that. And it says it in 1 John chapter 5. This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have, that we've decided of him. That word petitions is simply covenant language. You make a petition before the Heavenly Father and you come to him and say, this is what I'm asking for. And Jesus said what? To lay up not treasures on this earth, but to lay it up in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt or destroy it. We access what's in heaven that Jesus paid for. We access from, you know, the whole seed time and harvest with our finances we give into the kingdom. And then God multiplies it back. How do we access? We access that from our heavenly. We receive a heavenly grant. We receive what God's got in store for us. Everything that is in that spiritual realm. Someone said it like this. And I'm going to close on this or try and close on this. That faith and the receiving of what you're believing for doesn't arrive when the manifestation comes. Too many Christians are looking for the manifestation of what they're praying for to see whether or not what they believe has happened. Faith does not receive the manifestation. Faith does, I'm trying to explain this. So if I'm believing God for a car, and then I say, oh, I've got my car, when someone drives into my driveway with the car and hands me the keys, I've got my car. That's not when you receive it by faith. You cannot receive something by faith and wait for it to turn up. Faith receives when you pray. Mark 11, 23. When you believe. Let's, let's read it. I need to say this. Because when we talk about asking anything, you, many people will say, well, I asked and it didn't work. I asked, and it never manifested. I asked big. Andy, you want me to ask with fire? I asked with fire. I had every candle in the house burning. The, log, the logs were on fire. The gas was turned up. It was hot in that house. I was asking on fire. I was dancing. I was jumping up and down, screaming and shouting. I was on fire. I was pursuing, but nothing happened. Listen to what it says in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things... Oh, ha, 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 what things, what you desire? What are we talking about? Red hot desire. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive. And you shall have. So having is different than receiving. Brother Hagen always used to say, and you shall have them is the time element. But when do you receive them? You receive them when you pray. Faith is now. Now faith is. 
the substance of things hoped for. What's your hope? Your desire. So you've got a red-hot desire for something. Hope is just the blueprint or the anchor of your soul, the blueprint, the, 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 art, the architect's design, the piece of paper. But you start building that building with faith, and when you build it with faith, you receive it now when you pray. When you pray. So when God's speaking through Jesus, after this covenant intimate exchange, He's saying, abide in me. My words abide in you. Ask anything, and it will be done for you. You ask, and you know it's done for you. Because John just said, we just finished reading, he hears our petitions. He hears what we said. If we ask according to his will, what's his will? His word. You will receive. You know that he hears you. So if God's heard you, God said he's provided for it. He said all your needs are met according to his riches in glory, not according to your riches, not according to, to Frankie's income, not according to my income, but according to his riches. We've laid up our treasures in heaven where, where moth, uh, moth can't destroy, moths can't destroy him, rust can't destroy him. Nothing can destroy every, the treasures that are in heaven for us. That covenant exchange, everything that he has is mine. I ask for anything. But it's contingent on whether you can believe that you receive when you pray. When you have it on the inside of you, as I think Jungi Cho says it this way, he talks a little bit about it. The, the receiving bit on the inside of you may take two minutes, may take five minutes, may take three days, it may take five years before you believe that you receive it because there's an incubation period, there's a pregnancy process before you give birth to it in the natural, in the manifestation. When's the baby alive? We're not talking about wokeness here. We're talking about biblical truth. The baby's alive at point of conception. So when you pray, let the receiving start. Let it start to bubble up. Let, it, let your inner man start to go, I receive that, God. I receive that, God. I receive it. And there will come a point when you know that you know that you know as Oral Roberts used to say, when you know that you know that you know, that you know that you know that you know. Brother Hagen says, if you're prepared to wait for eternity, you will not be waiting very long. This applies to healing. This applies to finances. This is applying to, to believe in God for anything in any area of your life. Believe that you receive it when you pray. And make sure you receive it on the inside. Don't look outside. You shall have what you want on the outside if you can receive it on the inside. We don't look at the things which are seen, which are not eternal. We look at the unseen realm, the things that are eternal on the inside of us. When you've got it on the inside, there's nothing stopping you. There's nothing. When you said decided to become a Christian, the devil could not stop you. When you made a decision to either stand up and come forward, raise your hand, confess it with you, the devil could not stop you from becoming a Christian. Once you'd made a decision, it's the same principle and everything. Once you desire, does that decide that you decide that you want something? According to his will, I'm not going to go into the whole will side of things. You can do your own research on that. Be led of the Holy Ghost. But when you pray, believe that you receive. You shall have what you prayed for. 
And as a side note, Mark 11, verse 23, dealing with mountains, was dealing with obstacles. So you have the authority to remove any obstacle out of your way. And then he's given you the right to pray and have the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, he gives you the desires of your heart. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, for this message. There was a lot in that. Reveal more to us as we, we talk along these things over the next few weeks. Give us a revelation of covenant. Give us a revelation of, of what went on. What happened in those three days and three nights. Give us a revelation, Father. Of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the fire that fell on the day of Pentecost. We ask for that wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. So that we know and have a hope in our calling that our assignment will be completed. That the desires of our heart in line with your assignment, they, they just flow freely. I speak a blessing on this congregation, on those online, on those in the building. A blessing that just sees the perpetual flow of the blessing of God. The blessing of the Lord that makes rich and that adds no sorrow to it. And then out of that blessing comes the desires that we can ask for and believe for. And I ask you, Father God, that we start to see answered prayers like never before. Because we stir up the red hot passion and desire on the inside of us that says we're going to stand and we're not going to quit. We're going to persevere. We're going to keep staring the enemy down. We're going to keep taking ground and we're going to keep declaring the very word of the living God that says victory is mine and we will not see defeat. If we do not quit, it is impossible to see defeat because we have the victorious one, the greater one living on the inside of us. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I have faith. Faith which sees the victory over every demonic standard that tries to come up and rise itself in my face. I've got the victory. I've got the victory. I've got the victory. We have the victory. We have the victory. Oh, we have the victory because you have won the battle and the victory is ours. We declare it today in the name of Jesus. We are victorious. We are victorious. We are blessed. And we are well able to do everything that you tell us to do in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, Glory to God, go out today with victory in your heart. Go out today with a shout in your voice. Go out today, hallelujah, just looking at people and just saying, ha, 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 ha. You know, you, God might not have got you yet, but he's coming for you. Every person you bump into, you should see a soul worth saving. Every person you bump into with eyes of fire, you just go, hallelujah. There's a call on your life. There's a call on your life. Every person you bump into at the grocery market, there's got a call of God in their life. And let's start looking at that. And I'm going to just, quickly close. I will close. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise you, Jesus. I'll just read some quick announcements before we shut the broadcast down. Um, hallelujah. I, I get to this point, and I want to start again. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. One day I will. Praise you, Father, because victory, it, it, it's so, so amazing. It's so wonderful. The, the, you know the shout that we've got, the possibility? You know, kids don't, they're never quiet, are they? You ask Frankie and ask Pastor Louise, they're never quiet when they get together. 
Us adults, we get boring in our old age. We, I tell you, we, we, get, we just get bog-standard Bob boring. We That's the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not boredom is your strength. The joy. Great opportunity for joy. Great opportunity when you face trials and tribulations. Great opportunities. Great opportunities for you to laugh. <laughs> like the, the one in heaven's laughs. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Preparation for power. Preparation. Preparation time. Preparation time. It's never wasted. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Glory. Glory to you. Father God, you're you're wonderful. You're wonderful. Hallelujah. Fill everyone afresh today, Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, you are welcome to move in this place. We receive of your presence today. We receive joy. We receive energy. We receive substance. We receive your presence in this place today. That not one person in this place goes away bound or or held back, but with eyes open, with a fire and a red hot desire burning on the inside of them to go out and change the world. For they are world changers, world overcomers. We see victory in every action that we do. We see success in everything that we put our hand to. We are the believers. We are the believing ones and we believe that we receive and we believe that we receive big things from you, God. Big, grandiose blessings. <laughs> Whopper size chunk. Everything that God has for every single one of them. In the name of Jesus, that it falls from heaven like with the windows of heaven that are open, pouring out a blessing that we cannot contain. That there's more for every single one of us. There's more for every single one of us. More fire, more believing, more receiving, more finances, more health, more victory. Everything that you have for them releasing that fire of the Holy Ghost, fire of your presence, angels working at them every mouth that they say, every word that they speak, the angels of God responding and saying I'm doing it, I'm moving, I'm doing what Frankie needs, I'm doing what Kevin and Jenny needs, I'm I'm going, I'm moving. Things will not be stopped. This enemy will not stop or halt the work of the living God. The power and the fire of God flows in this place today. In the name of Jesus, we give you all the glory and we magnify your name. Hallelujah. <laughs> the call of God. The call of God. Oh, it burns so strong in my life, in my heart. Oh, I'm called. You're called. Hallelujah. If you've not received Jesus Christ uh, in your life and you're watching randomly uh, on this crazy person running around screaming and shouting, I tell you, there's a fire in me. There's a, I, you, you can get excited when Liverpool scores and Man United scores and you do stupid things when you drink alcohol, do drugs. I tell you, this is something that never gives me a hangover. This is something that never shuts me down. This is something that never makes me depressed. This is the joy of the living God. This is salvation. And today is the day of salvation. When you receive salvation, today is the day. Hallelujah. Just make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Make him Lord. Believe that you receive him in your heart. And you will be saved. You have eternal life. Hallelujah. Have. No, I can't look at my Bible. I'll start again. (laughs) 
Well, <laughs> hallelujah. Well, the reason we're fired up, as I tell you, next Saturday we're out for evangelism. 10.30, all right. Yeah, 10.30 a.m. On, on next Saturday, we're just going to go out for a couple of hours at the most. Um, and, and to get Holly and Robert, going to remember where we left off last time and take us. I'll send a postcode out to the group and, and, and anyone who's interested in that, let me know. If you don't have the details, I can get them to you. Um, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. This is what it's like in heaven, I tell you. I don't think, I think, you know, when, when some ministers say they're going to close and they go on for another two hours, Jesus is going to say all the time, I'm closing, I'm closing, and everyone will just get back up and start praising, and then you, you'll start all over again. Hallelujah. Father's Day um, is a couple weeks away. We're going to have a Sunday fun day that day. Uh, we're going to have a barbecue. Um, let's believe God that the weather's going to be awesome like this. Um, I will barbecue in the rain. I always say we should never mention the word barbecue until you actually do it on the day because the weather hears you. But we just take authority over that. That's just uh, fear. So well, let's believe God for a great, wonderful day, uh, whether we have some sports or whatever, but Father's Day. Um, if you're coming, please let me know. If, you, if you're not coming, please let me know just to help with food. And if there's anyone watching online that is planning on coming that knows us and get a hold of us, let us know. Just so we get the food right. Uh, we want to get lots of food. Uh, the church will be getting some nice burgers and I'm going to say meat. I haven't decided what meat we're going to have. But yeah, steak. Hallelujah. Um, so if you bring in extra people, try and let me know um, for a rough idea. Hallelujah. And of course, on the 2nd of July uh, in Manchester on the Sunday night, uh, we have a freedom night. And we've got a man of God called Harry Gomes. There's some leaflets in the flyer. If you know anyone who could come to that, um, it'd be well worth inviting him. He's an apostle. Um, to the point he's very high up in, in the things of God from India with Pastor Reba and Joshua. Um, he's also actually in Bradford that week. Um, I'm going to go up myself um, and, and volunteer and help. If anyone wants to volunteer and help, if you come along, because they're, they've rented the, the George's Hall in Bradford. Um, so if they need help, I haven't asked them if they need help or they want any help, but I'm just saying if you're available, um, I might just reach out and say, you know, we're going to help out. Faith Life will help. Um, so just let me know. Um, thank you for watching.